Welcome to the Infinite Improvisation Podcast, Adventures in Music and Creativity. I'm Steve Tressler, joined by Lauren Best, and in this final episode of our pilot season, give you a taste of some things to come in future seasons so far. Yeah, pilot episodes have been some op- open discussions about you know, the, the who, what, and why of the podcast, but we're going to get into some other other experiments and segments. Which I am yeah. very excited about. Yeah, absolutely. We have some surprises planned for each other, which we haven't even totally explained to each mm-hmm. other yet. <laughs> kind of a reaction, a reveal video, yeah. and just lot and see and see how that goes. That's that's one of our one of our segments or themes coming up. Um, mm-hmm. And also, we've talked about some musical experiments, like you know, performing mm-hmm. or other artistic experiments documenting the process. I mean, one will be next season. We're going to go through, document the process of collaboratively writing a theme song for the podcast. Yeah, because interestingly, we have talked about music a lot, but we have not actually made any music together. Yeah. I think, I think that's true. We have done zero musical collaboration. So we are planning on showing mm-hmm. <laughs> what that's like which is also a first not only the first time collaborating together but i think that'd be the first time for me documenting the process yeah on a podcast exactly so well yeah we'll have some other musical you know live musical experiments and not even necessarily like demonstrating or tips and tricks or anything like that but here's like the process of 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 doing it and putting ourselves in artistically r- risky situations <laughs> live and um that yeah we'll We'll see. Yeah, we'll see how that all works out. It sounds it sounds exciting. Um, and a little yeah. nerve wracking. Uh-huh. But that's I think that's part of I, you and I both. I, if you've been listening so far, you know mm. that Steve and I think about formats and structures and mm. kind of the 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 container aspect as well as modeling. So I'm looking forward to playing a little bit with the format of mm-hmm of how collaboration looks and how mm. podcasting looks for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And since it's a podcast, we're going to have guests, you know, so Yay. we'll have some interviews and discussions with people who are doing, yeah, artists and educators who are doing awesome things. Um, Which is exciting. It's great to be able to invite people to the party. Abs- absolutely. And also, we uh, we want to do some Q&A, some Ask Us Anything and inviting listeners and you to yeah submit submit your submit your questions for us. So you can find us online or go to infiniteimprovisation.com and submit a question for us and we would love to hear from you. So we've got a couple of questions from listeners or should we say future listeners cuz we're put it, we're going to post that we're going to publish this whole pilot season at once. So we have enthusiastic future listeners who haven't heard a show yet but sent us mm-hmm. questions anyway. We've been awesome. telling them about what the process has been like so yeah. far, and uh, luckily they were wondering. Yeah. So I got a great one from our, our friend, uh, Melissa. She's a, Melissa Slocum, she is a piano teacher in the Atlanta area and a host of the Sounds of Encouragement podcast. For So any music teachers, you'll definitely want to want to check that out. So she has a question for us about her practice, and Lauren hasn't heard this yet, so I'm surprising Lauren with this with this question. A little bit of backstory is I have two boys who are transfer students who started in Faber and um, they're six and eight years old and they had a very traditional teaching setup with their former teacher. 
I suspect, although no, no one has said it, that basically improvisation was sort of not forbidden, but really frowned upon as not making music by their former teacher. And um, the mom also, I know at home, tries to not have them do anything around the piano unless it's music um, because she doesn't want them banging, I don't think, on the piano at home. And maybe the most basic question and how that should be framed for a show is, um, you know, when the usual approaches to improvisation do not seem to be working and there is still just reticence about doing improvisation at all, should a teacher who's, you know, well-equipped, well-experienced back off and not push? Or should a teacher um, try something maybe out of the ordinary? And if the answer is the latter, what are some of the out of, out of the ordinary approaches that uh, one might try when you've when you feel like you've done all the other approaches um, and tried some of the other more common uh, techniques for beginning improvisation, whether it's rhythm and sound or exploration or animals or drawing pictures or copycat or whatever. Okay. Cool. Well, thank, thank, thanks, Melissa. Yeah, a lot, a lot there. I mean, this is certainly your working with kids of that age. That is certainly that's certainly your wheelhouse. I mean, what jumps out at me, like what is what are the usual approaches or not yeah you know, that's that's a big that's a big big thing mm-hmm. to unpack but what are your first thoughts on on that I and mean, you work with a lot of kids in that age age range i believe she said maybe not said this six and eight or somewhere in that age range mm-hmm. and i i had a similar question or thought in response uh and i've used faber myself mm-hmm. so there's also some improvisation and creativity mm-hmm. suggested within the method book uh, so I wonder if I wondered if if what she described as the the usual approaches were using some of those, and I say that because like they're written down, so it's easy mm-hmm. for a parent to see and understand yeah. and sort of suggest. Yeah, and she had, she had also told me that they did things like doing some call and response. Here I play this, you copy it, and now you change one note about it, and then they would freeze and just not as soon as they were making a creative decision was just not they were very resistant to that so mm. some and she said mentioned things like drawing pictures or um let's uh you know play an emotion let's express an emotion she was, she was giving me a, f- a few of the ideas that she had that she had tried mm. and they were just not having it mm. i mean i would i always suggest with kids repeating and seeing what happens again because sometimes repeating the same activity can have a different result because they're used to it this time. They have a feeling of safety and they they know what to anticipate. So where you get nothing at first, sometimes I find trying again and sometimes again after that can. Some, I mean, sometimes we want to change approaches, of course. But sometimes waiting a little longer and having repeated exposure, I find can help. One, because... Different days are different, <laughs> you know, and a child might be hungry or have wet socks or <laughs> have not slept well or whatever on one day. And so they're going to have like <laughs> their attention is less their their, you know, emotional state is different. They're not, you know, they're distracted by their socks. They're not as ready to take risks and it might just be different on a different day. Uh, that being said, sometimes we sometimes we do 
want to just change the approach. Uh, right away when she was talking, I mean, I like to work with parents and, and, and talk about how we can, like, set things up a little differently and change change the approach maybe so that there isn't pressure around uh, around practicing, for example, and so that there's a little more, uh, like, understanding around, say, you can spend time at the piano doing things that, that is more exploratory, and there will be some banging, but working with, like, what's, like, uh, within the range of it's not going to damage the instrument, it's, you know, maybe it's, there are limits on it, so it's not when <laughs> mom's trying to talk to you, <laughs> but that the banging, as long as it's not using like a hammer or scissors, might be okay. <laughs> and trying to like work up the family yeah. culture uh, and tolerance around that because kids do explore in ways that are way too much. Kids will put their feet on the piano and like you do need to kind of <laughs> decide whether you're yeah. going to whether you're going to say no or, or encourage that. Um, so I think working with with the family environment too. I'll pause. What do you What do you think mm. so far, based on what I've said? Uh, I, I I loved your answer. Yeah, and um, what what jumped out is a lot of yeah, Melissa. A lot of those ideas you have, and those certainly can work. It's often how it's how it's presented, and what jumped up if you're teaching the brothers. Like I don't know if you've tried teaching them together, but I find some of this stuff works so so great when you have a a group and they're playing off each other instead of just an adult trying to draw something out of the kid. Mm. Like my daughter started this program when she was four is called creative music adventures almost like our, our tagline it was a, it was a group piano lesson with four-year-olds and her buddies were in it and they were uh so the, the group thing but also not saying now we're going to create or we're going to compose something making this game element kind of work throughout even as you're doing skill development like they had this game called island um you can find some of this at musical monsters and there's some training things for it but th there's not going to be like a secret method that will that will work it's setting up the right environment so for instance they had a game called island so every time they would play a repetition correctly they would tell the teacher what animal to draw on the whiteboard on this island you know now we want a flamingo and they'd draw it then they would play again now we're going to draw another animal and this was through the reps and skill development but then it could switch to now we're going to play a song about the flamingo or, or something like that so the kind of mm -hmm. the playfulness and the game and the creativity some can be embedded throughout the whole lesson i mean i even remember and most had brought up animals i mean her very first lesson at the piano was they were just down to the base range. Here's where the bears live, and they're all just kind of mm. banging in the the bear the bear range. Then going up to you know like le bass clef range. Here's where the dogs live in the piano, and then the cats up here in the treble, and mm -hmm. the little tweety birds. And so right away we're playing like bears and birds, and you know there's elements of, I mean that's mm -hmm. in, in, improvising animals and making little games and activities. And that's not everyone's teaching style to necessarily make it mm -hmm. that, you know, turning yeah. into car cartoon animals, but. You know, you're doing it. You're doing it in a group, and it's embedded throughout the whole experience. Mm -hmm. And it will feel less weird. And suddenly, we've been reading music, and now suddenly, you play your own note. And like, whoa, whoa, wait a second, yeah. this is different. And sometimes we can build off that, so we kind of sneak it in. Because um, I find sometimes this still happens to me, right? Where mm -hmm. I'm like, just try this, and then it's it's like crickets, you know. And I think I've proposed something fun, accessible, easy. Like I didn't think it was that big of an ask, and what I met with is like. Oh, okay. I need to. I need to adjust that. And yeah. sometimes following threads that wouldn't normally be what I would do, like some of those more symbolic ideas, and then modeling um, 
some of what making stuff up means. Because sometimes when you say, come up with something, the student is imagining something far longer, far more complex, mm -hmm. far f like more denser, like more uh, uh, more notes happening. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just, they, they're thinking they need to do a lot. And we're thinking, oh, you just play something very slow and simple and I'd love that, you know? Mm -hmm. Or you just play one note, please, I'd love it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I often use the example from early childhood classes that I hear, I can't tell you how many times I have heard people say to me, my child never sings when we're here. And sometimes that means they just like seem quiet. Sometimes it means like they sit there doing nothing, looking around. Sometimes it means they don't sing, but they're kind of into it. Sometimes it means they cried at the beginning of the first three classes mm. and like they weren't sure if they were gonna stay. But I hear variations of this. My, my child doesn't sing while we're here. But then when we get in the stroller, they're singing the songs all the way home. Or, but mm. then they were singing the songs when they woke up the other day and it's actually mm. really getting in there. And I've seen kids who appear to be like not participating, like they're very much just observing, which I'm cool with, but sometimes <laughs> grownups want to get everyone involved. Mm. And then one day out of nowhere, they've absorbed what they feel they want to absorb and they mm. are right there fully participating and sometimes that can be a slow transition sometimes if we just stay patient with it it's a quick transition mm -hmm. um so when you're talking about the bears i imagine things like if i was following that thread i might do something like ah i might start playing like bear footsteps right and start mm -hmm. to do some beat keeping with low sounds of bear footsteps on black keys Mm -hmm. um, then maybe I can give the student the job. And maybe even though they won't make things up, maybe they can play some footsteps and just mm -hmm. feel that. And then if I start playing some really slow or textural or, I mean, there's lots of options for what I play with that. But then they're seeing what I would do with that. So then whether it's that time or another time, maybe in the future we'd be able to switch. And maybe if I'm playing the bare footsteps, maybe they can imagine clapping mm -hmm. along to that to try to you know can you make noise to try to scare the bear away just make a bunch of noise maybe they can imagine what would be like to add birds to the bear sounds mm -hmm. maybe i play you know those bear footsteps and i say just pick one black key at a time to play along with the bear mm -hmm. just to go along with it just play one mm -hmm. at a time hold it for as long as you want and switch which maybe that would be too much for those students yeah but all those things I described would be like scaled down to be easier. It doesn't have to go mm. that whole process all at once, yeah. but kind of if it's not working, how can we make it even easier mm -hmm. and then slowly build on that? Yeah. And if these these kids are just very comfortable with reading it off the page, you can start there. Some kids are the opposite. Or if you put, put, write something down about it, it's, it induces more anxiety. So it could be even, okay, here's the song you're working on. Now, how would a mouse play this song? Or maybe how would a bear play this? So they're still reading it, but interpreting mm. it differently and kind of using more notation as a, as a gateway as soon as you give them an open choice, if that's what's causing them to shut down. So we're kind of, you have to tailor the experience for who... Yeah, for, for who it is. But I, I'm a big fan of sneaking it in and not making it suddenly. It's creative time, and now you're going to do something different from, from what you're used to. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been doing a lot of these workshops and one-on-one. -on -one. I like to think of myself as being, you know, making the experience more disarming and inviting. But boy, just last week, I was teaching an online lesson with someone doing some of the call and response. Now we're just going to change the last note, some of my, you know, my tricks. And this, this girl is a, a, a well... Um, you know, she's a skilled player and, you know, performing and doing all this. But just one of these things, as soon as she knew 
that, oh, now it's imprint. She just, I mean, completely froze deer in the headlights and started crying and broke down during the lesson. And then like, okay, we said, you know, okay, we, we stopped, you know, and then, yeah, we paused and we went on to something else. Then she wrote me this letter, you know, apologizing for crying during the lesson that she froze up in jazz band the day before too, or something. It's just hard, you know, so we're going to, we'll go through it. But, you know, as much as I'm doing this, I feel like I can get people to feel comfortable doing it. You know, one of my last lessons was a kid crying doing it. So it's, <laughs> you know, and she's, you know, very confident. A lot of the other, it's like, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of a lot of big feelings involved with this. So there's not totally. a e- even what I think is my go to trick that always works, like didn't work this time. Or if she had a group of friends doing it, then they'd do it together and it may have been okay. It's a Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it's about establishing some of the serve and return or like the the idea of two voices instead of focusing on the cre- like the creative aspect of it mm-hmm. in terms of let's generate something, right? It just being like play with one hand, play with the other hand. And maybe that's two notes that they've determined in advance, mm-hmm. but they're having a feeling of back and forth, right? And then it's like, okay, if one hand plays a, a secret code, could the other hand echo that? That's something my son loved to do. Like I tried to teach him stuff at the piano and at the time it was you know it wasn't going super well but he loved the activity where we would knock a secret code on the wall not on the piano you know because here i am like be like ah i've taught so many kids like he's gonna love exploring the piano you know and he wanted to just knock rhythms back and forth on the wall just to echo each other or to and sometimes kids prefer to be the leader prefer to be the follower sometimes we're not even echoing anymore we're just going back and forth with stuff and then, uh, you know, that was able to eventually transfer with mm-hmm. to the piano. But the uh, making things more open ended, as you're saying, can can be challenging. We don't mm-hmm. always know what uh, what what people are arriving with that mm-hmm. day, right? And and it's really like music is really stimulating to our brains, and that can mm-hmm. feel like confusion at some times, and that can feel overwhelming at times. And so. Um, you know, it's like you and I know what it's like to forget a part <laughs> and to go blank on something and to have to figure out what happens. But kids who haven't had that experience feel mm-hmm. shocked and dismayed and, you know, maybe some other feelings when they suddenly blank because they haven't had that experience yet. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And and maybe these students would feel, but they'd feel more in control if they could prepare something a little bit too, like some, as like what, Lauren, you were talking about last time, the musical Mad Libs, like you might give them some music with a couple notes missing and then they have to like fill in their mm. own notes, but they can work on it at home and then bring it back and play. Here's what I here's what I prepared. Something like that might work. Or my mm. daughter's piano teacher had like design your own instrument and see how it works. So she would hit this beam over here by the Girl Scout because she hit her flip flop against that like support <laughs> beam in the house and it shook the whole house and made the coolest sound ever, you know, and and then we're at the park and she's like finding, oh, this is an instrument, you know, it's just different with with different kids. So I hope that's helpful. And, but I'm sure a lot of the material you were working with could work, could work just fine. It's just how it, it's so much like in our previous episode, we're talking about is not necessarily the material or the content. It's just the, the atmosphere or the culture, or how it's, how mm. it's introduced. And build on what does work. Um, mm-hmm. and, and as I was saying, sometimes you can take what does work, even if that is, there's a song they're feeling good about two notes out of that song, you know, their best moment in that song can become the ostinato. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you model some very, very simple mm-hmm. um, 
improv with that so that they see possibilities even if they aren't quite ready to go there yet themselves that they that they see what that could be yeah Mm -hmm. and and just slowing things down like Mm -hmm. sometimes just waiting longer for responses or or like i said repeating it but um sometimes literally just waiting Mm -hmm. just like silently (laughs) like you know ask a question and just silently waiting for the response or giving them some time to try things i find sometimes i worry that something's not successful when you're used to working with groups too you don't want like a Mm -hmm. dead air you don't lose the kids but at the same time i find kids sometimes need just a little extra time to process things because their their brains are 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 not moving quite in the same way as ours mm-hmm. and their experience isn't quite the same so sometimes i find it's holding that space for them even if it doesn't feel successful or effective to us mm-hmm. because we're not seeing the instant result but giving a little extra space to figure that out i find yeah but it's i mean it's awesome you're doing this and making this a cornerstone of your studio mm-hmm. to to make this happen and but whether or not you know stick with it or abandon it is kind of well it's a you know, as we figure out how to embed it into the whole into the whole process, it's not an all or nothing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. And uh, also, six and eight is is pretty young. And um, Melissa, I know you're very experienced. I'll speak directly to the question yeah, asker. Yeah. I know for myself, though, I need to remind myself that of some of the incredible changes I've seen in students who approach challenges in certain ways when they're six or when they're seven and by the time they're eight or 10, it's a whole different ball game, you know? And so um, sometimes I'm sure most uh, teachers and coaches have had these kinds of experiences, but I think sometimes it's bringing our minds back to how much things can change for a kid over time. And that sometimes, as you were saying, it's meeting them where they're at and then it's not going to be this lesson or next lesson necessarily that we turn the corner, so to speak. But next year, it's going to be a whole different scenario. But yeah, I, but I also like really like what you said about bringing that, bringing the parents on board for the journey and having that having that conversation and the boundaries. How much knocking on the lid is okay, you know, putting <laughs> preparing the piano in certain ways are okay, but not damaging mm-hmm. the instrument and yeah, figuring out how to yeah have it be a yeah, family process too. Mm-hmm. And maybe that'll be a whole episode, the bounds of free play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I'm so glad we got that question. What yeah. what a, a wonderful thing to talk Thank about. Thank you. And yes, we welcome welcome your questions, text questions, or the um, we love hearing your voice too. So those audio audio questions uh, are awesome. Okay, and we have another question from your fellow Canadian James Hurley, who is now running a piano studio with his wife in Bavaria, Germany, which sounds pretty awesome. But yeah. he has a question about teaching and sharing. He says, do you get your students bouncing their own improvisation recordings off each other? Do you want to start with the answer for this? Yeah. So in my case, I like having students bounce ideas off each other all the time, especially in what I'm doing in person workshops, a lot of call and response back and forth, some musical conversations or uh, in other contexts, having one student start some kind of improvised idea and having a whole section of people copy it and turn it into one texture, all kinds of ways that they can bounce it off in, in person. But doing recordings, I had luck with that. I think it was something we talked about before when I was teaching a 
college improvisation class online where we used a cloud-based digital audio workstation and someone started with a track you know it's like a, a one or two minute track and then the next person at some point logged in and added added something to it so various people would add different layers or grooves and some would add more sound effects or textural things and there were a group project and that that turned out that turned out really cool but even for my private studio for i've had a fizzled out attempt of doing some had some ambitious group composition project that didn't quite take off and some of my students we can work on getting them to be more skilled at recording themselves and it's definitely some opportunity there but for some of my private lessons i haven't i haven't done that very much with recordings mm-hmm. although you mentioned doing a virtual recital right mm. yeah uh and that was for that recital took the advice of our friend Stephen hughes who's been teaching online for years and years to do it have students pre-record their pre-record their pieces so some got into some video and audio editing but in that it was just like one one video and i edit i, I stuck them all together so there was less interaction between them in that mm in that recital. Oh, um, like in terms of the bouncing off of each other, yeah. but w- some of what they were sharing was improvised though. Oh yeah. 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 And, and there was, I've done, yeah, I did a virtual recital where everyone wrote something, wrote something original. So then everyone was listening to each other. So some were writing things that sounded like standard jazz tunes and other were text setting poems and others were producing something and uh, some electroacoustic things and some students were playing over drones or doing solo improvisation so in that way we put the program together where they were it was a Mm. continuous program so i hadn't really thought about it like that but those weren't yeah i guess less conversational yeah yeah Yeah, but but certainly some of them yeah certainly got were inspired by oh it was so cool what that student Mm -hmm. did for for this and that was one of the few silver linings of the pandemic is actually getting those set up i'm going to keep the uh you know teaching you know, I have mixed feelings about teaching the lessons online. Some things work really well, but that format for the recital was really great because then their family could tune in from around the world and they could share it and we could do even a little more production element than mm. just a different. And some some kids really thrive doing that where they weren't necessarily on stage with the lights and got they got to try it a few times. So some some students really enjoyed the recording process. Mm. So, uh, yeah, still more opportunities. But, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, there, there would be. Yeah. It's going to give, give me some more ideas, but yeah. How, how about you? Well, I know you, you've a lot of your, a lot of your students, you've got a lot of preschoolers. So how does this, uh, yeah, well, I have some preschoolers and some school age, yeah. some school age kids. Um, I found the, the, he, he, he specified recordings. And so I found mm-hmm. that interesting because my answer was going to be, and that's what I wanted you to answer first is because I do uh, group online piano yeah. lessons where in each in each session we have, I like to ensure that we're doing creative and collaborative things every time, as well as individually, mm-hmm. uh, individually like focused things where the students are working on on their own kind of journey a little more privately. But part of the format of the lessons is that we that they're bouncing off those ideas or. Sometimes it's not so much in the moment, like I would refer to it as bouncing ideas off of each other or bouncing recordings off of each other. But as you were kind of describing, they're hearing each other improvise often in really little bits. And sometimes that's because they're doing an activity together where they're, you know, they're, they're going back and forth and they're having that kind of musical conversation. Sometimes they're sharing something that they improvised while we were doing a different kind of activity and they came up with more on their own. And then they want to share that uh, with the group. 
So I haven't done that with recordings as much. Yeah, um, that's so, interesting too, because I read the question yeah. and then thought about it throughout the day and I forgot recordings was in there. So I was thinking about all the ways of doing it live or maybe he means bouncing off in a different way. <laughs> bounce with their in, like, do they share their recordings? I improvise something and like playing it for other students and he could have, he could have meant it that way. Yeah, yeah. Like I, or, you know, what do you think of this kind yeah. of thing, you know? And, um, I, what I have found, I mean, I could do it with recordings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've just found that that often for a bunch of reasons, it ends up being live in the lesson. But I do find that the feedback from other students is often, I just love some of those moments where mm-hmm. one student gives another student just really heartfelt feedback. And they're mm-hmm. like, wow, I thought that was really awesome. And that mm-hmm. was just a really cool song. And like for a student to say that to another student is a different kind of impact than if I say, than if I say that. Um, when, I, when you mentioned recordings, one of the things I thought of is that I like my students to be doing this in all kinds of tiny ways before we're thinking of like larger, longer recordings, like so that they're they're giving each other feedback on small moments. They're they're just giving feedback about their experience and something that was a that was an ensemble activity. Like they're getting used to noticing and giving feedback for themselves and for other people in a lot of micro moments, um, as opposed to necessarily like here's this like chunk of improv I did. Can I have some feedback? Uh, Cause for younger students, that's a lot, like that's a lot of musical information for them to, for them to process as opposed to really, really short snippets um, and, and often live, but they could be recorded. I encourage students to record themselves for themselves to give themselves that kind of feedback. Um, and in those short snippets, like really getting into the different aspects of what we notice or what it reminds us of, what it brings up for us. Mm. Um, actually, I did a, a, an activity where the students started describing like as if the music was creating a soundtrack and they were going into these really vivid visualizations based on what the music reminded them of. And uh, it's some really, there can be some really cool outcomes when you, when you give them the chance to just kind of explore the aesthetic. <laughs> mm. Wow. Yeah, and that reminded me of a, yeah, an activity I've done that's a like graphic score telephone where you have like a group. I did this actually live with a group of you know, professional improvisers, I guess, where you had someone with, you know, draw yeah, a bunch of symbols or pictures or something for us to use as a score and interpret that. So we performed it and someone else who hadn't seen the score was listening to it and then drew a new picture based on what we were playing. And then we would perform that and someone else would draw. Then we had this like gallery of all these and you could, yeah. And, it was yeah a, yeah cool that was a wild experiment that, that was that yeah was and some, so oh go ahead oh i was gonna say sometimes a kind of a, a another graphic score variation is sometimes uh when we're working with some kind of graphic score sometimes i sometimes we call them maps for the kids and we actually get really into like visualizing landscapes and nature soundscapes or sometimes it is more of like the, the graphic score kind of for like sometimes we play with what that means and what we're going to explore with it in the first place but uh sometimes it's that we're all exploring things muted and the kids are coming up with really different ideas and exploring different concepts themselves in terms of contrasting voices uh and then we're comparing that afterwards just just the the go away and then compare uh yeah that's awesome and one thing you said about the students giving each other feedback. One thing I, I do like, whether it's in person or even in the Zoom waiting room where I have, when the students are overlapping, someone's coming to set up for their lesson, then you have someone else play, oh, here's something this kid's working on. They play it for each other. And 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cute. Sometimes I have like an older student who's like working on some like transcribing like something from a video game soundtrack and they're playing it and playing it for this little kid. It's like, oh, wow, that is so amazing. And they, yeah. they do it. Yeah. And, and doing that mm-hmm. online, letting someone into the meeting early and just even getting that little feedback, bouncing ideas off in mm-hmm. that way. But uh, yeah. as you said, it can be more meaningful coming from a, a peer rather than. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's part of the reason I like I have the groups is to give them more opportunities to get feedback from their peers, not just from me, but also more opportunities to feel that sharing feeling and that performance feeling and mm-hmm. that, you know, that risk taking of sharing. Um, and also in a multi-level group, right, seeing kids to be, you know, to that whose skill might be aspirational or whose ideas might be aspirational or who just might be approaching things differently to see other people's learning journeys and see how like to to feel that they can relate to that and to also see that other people might have have struggles and sometimes i'll say to a student like particularly an older student say hey before you share that why don't you describe a bit about what's going on for you in the learning process? Or like, you know, you could, do you mind mentioning to the other students that you're only playing half the song because that's the chunk you're looking at right now? Like just ask them to name specifics to kind of show those, the younger students or the other students part of their process. And I also make it very optional to share. (laughs) I don't, um, I don't coerce or, (laughs) or bully, of course, but sometimes that can be like, like, I don't, you know, try to try to lean on kids to get them to play and share because I find they want to eventually. Sometimes they don't want to that day. Mm-hmm. But that getting that feedback, I want them to really choose that and mm-hmm. want that and consent to that and not feel um, pushed into yeah. into the sharing. Absolutely. But the more they get comfortable with sharing and even informal performances, it can really help just being more comfortable performing in general because I have some students that only will sometimes play by themselves if it's like an adjudication or an audition and then the performance thing becomes a really high stakes thing mm-hmm. so as much as there can be that informal sharing even if I do have a kid who's getting ready for an audition or a solo mm-hmm. contest our, our favorite thing but they're like getting ready for that and they're to be pushed into it I will even bring out my kid and have her bring which is little, she'd bring the pet and like a stuffy or something and here's your audience and suddenly mm-hmm. even going from nothing to just one little kid, it was like, oh, and suddenly they kind of, you know, it was a way to actually practice for yeah. the, and it wasn't, it was actually a bigger jump going from nothing to a five-year-old and a stuffed animal versus going from the one person to an adjudicator the next week. Yeah, so, yeah. But just making that comfort as much as people can casually, you know, share with their families or their communities and, and all of that. We're getting, this is more than James bargained for, probably. <laughs> one, one, one other idea I had to, to do with my students that I never, it's just, it's just bringing back this idea that fizzled out and I nearly forgot about, but having some kind of collaborative composition project where we might have each student on their own time record some piece of it. And there could be some limitation, whether it's a pitch limitation or something about mood or to, and then have all of these as like samples or loops. And then one of the more mm-hmm. sophisticated kids take all of these samples that were recorded and then shape them into a, like a, a, you know, a couple students shape it into a, like using those as sounds and samples and stick the whole mm-hmm. thing together which would be pretty fun i should do that yeah yeah i was i was thinking about um pro- about a music version of like the one second video things where you know like yeah. one i think there's an app or something one second every day and it's a whole bunch of one second videos put together and i was thinking what if i had each of the students you know only have a short a short little bit 
uh, and oh. and string that together, which is something we already kind of do in lessons, but pre-recorded, it would be a bit different. And maybe not one second, maybe five seconds, but yeah. um, just, just to riff on what you were saying, like the idea of samples or loops or layering, but also yeah. the idea of like stringing together. Um, I think you've called it a ribbon before. Sometimes I imagine it like a string of beads. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. ways to, as we were talking before about improvisation being here in the moment in this room, but then what's the asynchronous way of making some of these connections and interactions, but using technology, warping the mm -hmm. space-time continuum a bit. And some of those projects can be more effective when we're using technology, as opposed to giving everyone on a conference call. And although I was, that was something I was experimenting with during the pandemic, doing, mm -hmm. having everyone with headphones and doing live improvisations and just building the latency as a creative limitation. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's another. That's another topic. But. And another quick thing about recording specifically that I think about and and asynchronous um, ways of working is just just questions of like accessibility and equity and that that mm -hmm. can be sometimes working asynchronous asynchronously or having recordings mm -hmm. can increase access accessibility uh, for students who like can't make you know a particular. Uh, like, you know, workshop time, but they can still work on the recording aspect and participate mm -hmm. in the group project or something, or students who have internet connection issues. I live in a rural area. Mm -hmm. There are areas that are uh, very close to me that have limitations to their internet access. Yeah. So um, sometimes in terms of uh, like internet speeds and quality, it can be awesome to record things and do things asynchronously. For that reason, uh, other reasons too, right? Like, like I said, just from one day to the next, sometimes have the student being able to get in the zone in their own way, in their own space, unobserved, deal with their wet socks, make sure they're not hungry, make sure they're maybe not as tired that day. But I mean, you know, like approach it in a, at a time and place that is very supportive to them. Uh, and that's great. The flip side of it and why I often don't like demand <laughs> recordings is that homework like that uh, for particularly like young students uh, is really often dependent on like adult support in their life and the schedule they have, mm -hmm. even for older students, right? So sometimes that can, it can be great for students to have a chance to take that away and work on it. But sometimes it's a lot of pressure to be like on the, on the parents to be like, mm -hmm. you need to make a recording for your kid, which sometimes just even making the house quiet enough for that could be a really stressful thing. Getting the tech set up can, you know, be really freaky for some people. And so I love the ways it can work. I also often don't like kind of demand it. I create options and I suggest it to students, but I don't say, okay, everyone has to go record because I'm very aware that for some families that could be a huge ask, even though it mm -hmm. seems accessible and uh, for other families it might be easy. It might be something that's, that's awesome to explore, but I try to, I try to be really mindful of, of that sort of thing because I want, I want the time that students are with me and are made and, and that they're making music uh to work for them and to be positive and that even if they can't do like extended recording projects the rest of the time i don't want them yeah. to be shut out of experiences because of that that's true yeah some of those type of things recording and collaborating it's yeah for students up that are a little more independent and tech savvy then it can work really well as a tool but yeah same same idea for my my virtual recitals you know just do a cup couple of those a year because yeah for some for some families it is a yeah it is a more involved process
Yeah, and I've been considering doing a virtual recital myself. I've mm-hmm. done in-person recitals and recording during the lesson is also like uh, can, can be part of that so that it's not necessarily something the family has to take on separately. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I done that on the online lesson and then uh my kid did a virtual recital on flute and it was it was a virtual recital but she was doing in-person and outdoor lessons but the uh her her flute teacher set up a bunch of decorations like it was at, like outside in her front yard and actually filmed it herself and put it together in a playlist so they came up and played but the teacher took care of all the production um and then it made for more of a uniform experience too mm-hmm. yeah and i think like the the whole again it could be a whole episode on virtual recitals then virtual just virtual forms of sharing and i think there are a lot of uh interesting and promising formats which are outside of the question that was that was asked but there's there whether it's put together all in one piece right or i've heard teachers Mm -hmm. breaking it up so that it's kind of a watch party of individual videos yeah um i've been interested in about in using i've seen that virtual spaces like gather town used Mm -hmm. for sharing and um yeah it's a it's a (laughs) he said he or I don't know how he pronounced his last name, but founder of Musi. He's yeah. doing his first online class totally in VR, testing yeah. that out. So that could be quite a recital recital on the moon or something. We can do the <laughs> VR recitals. That'll be good. Well, yeah, thanks, James and Melissa, for those questions. And yeah, we'd love to hear from, from more of you folks. You can uh, yeah, so submit them through infiniteimprovisation.com or uh, yeah, find us, find us online. And okay, well, I mean, that's wrapping up our pilot season of our yeah first five episodes to see okay how's this yeah it's yeah check in how we did our five episodes how's it feeling it's feeling good i'm happy to be along to to, you know to be along with you on this adventure to be on this adventure i'm happy that folks are listening to, (laughs) to to this adventure and asking questions and i'm excited for what's to come yeah likewise and we didn't run out of things to talk about so (laughs) a promising start yeah okay thank you see you next time